Hi, welcome to Nutra Champion, a podcast series where we speak with experts specializing in nutrition research, including scientists, doctors, and policy makers. Here, we will find out more about their research journey, their career, and even some personal life lessons. I'm Ting Ming, the editor of Nutra Ingredients Asia and your host for this podcast. You can listen to our past episodes on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. In this episode, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Samuel J.K. Abraham, the head of R&D at Japan's GN Corporation, which focuses on regenerative medicine and immune enhancement as well as immune modulation solutions. Dr. Samuel is also the founder and director at the Nichi Inn Center for Regenerative Medicine in India and holds lecturer position at Yamanashi University in Japan, the Center for Advancing Clinical Research. His research interest lies in regenerative medicine and the study of the immune system. He has authored and co-authored over 70 publications with four patents granted. Hi, Dr. Samuel. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. How are you? Doing good. Thank you, Ms. Ko. And it's my pleasure joining you in this podcast. Yeah, I understand that you have been very busy uh, preparing for some of the conferences over the past past week and really thank you for joining, taking the time to join me on this podcast. Yeah, yeah so first of all, right, uh, we have been uh, in touch with you over the past at least one year um, on the research that the company has conducted using its beta-glucan and its effects on COVID-19 patients. So we have actually uh, covered quite a number of findings and, you know, written news about them. So first of all, right, uh, can you also share maybe perhaps the core business of GN Corporation uh, before telling us the, uh, the, the, you know, the reason for researching beta-glucan and COVID-19? Uh, well, um... GN Corporation has been working on biomaterials developed in Japan and cell-based therapies, regenerative medicine. So one of the components that we have been working was on has been on cell therapies, immune cell therapies for cancer. So autologous immune enhancement therapy is an approved cell-based therapy for cancer patients in Japan. So when people get a cancer along with the conventional treatments. You take the peripheral blood of the patient, isolate the natural killer cells, activate the T cells, then infuse them back intravenously. And this helps a better survival rate compared to conventional treatments alone. So when we were researching on this, I was looking for a much simpler way where you can not only treat cancer, but you can go as a prophylaxis. So there should be a product which should increase your immune protection, the immune enhancement as a barrier of entry to infections as well as development of cancer. And also, if you look at many of the diseases, chronic microinflammation is one of the important components of several diseases. Cancer is one of them. So we also are looking into something which will control unwanted immune enhancement. So immune system should work optimally, but it's not overact. So that is when we focused on this particular various strains of beta glucans which have a perfect fit for our search. I see. So 
uh, a simpler solution and how is it that the attention has been uh, placed on beta-glucan? Okay, uh, good question. There have been several beta-glucans. So beta-glucans are enhancing your immune system based on the you know, pathogen-associated molecular protein stimulation. And when we looked into the variety of beta-glucans available, most of them are extracted from a source like mushroom or barley or oats or something, and then they are purified. But this beta-glucan, which caught our attention, is something which is produced in a very pure form as an exopolysaccharide. And the second most important thing is, unlike any other beta-glucan, which is from some source, here we the company has got all the sources in different forms, of different strains of the black yeast. So different strains of the black yeast, arabacidium pululens, same species, different strains are producing different kind of beta-glucans. Though chemically they are the same, their structural formula has been different. The AFO202 is a kind of an immune enhancer. It balances the glucose metabolism to an extent, whereas the N163 produced, it is an excellent immune modulator. This I am able to say because of our basic research and also animal studies, as well as studies in healthy volunteers. So then we found that we have got the best balance of both. One beta-glucan produced by AFO202 strain of the black yeast has an excellent immune enhancement property, which is a protective phenomena against infections, probably cancer. Another one controls the unwanted immune overreacting, that is immunomodulation. So this combination, when we were working on, came the COVID pandemic. You, you, because you were saying that beta-glucans, they can come from many sources, right? So how many sources and what examples have your research on before settling on this? Okay. This beta-glucan that I am uh, talking about is produced as an exopolysaccharide by Arabacidium pululens in a GMP facility. It was originally approved as a food additive in the year 1996 in Japan. So for more than 25 years, this has been in Japanese market as a food supplement. And the N163 strain came into the market in 2018. So it has been in the market for the past four years. So excellent safety track record. We have another 500 different strains of the same species. So it is every strain to come from the lab to the industrial scale, it takes three to five years. Now the third one we are researching on. However, the first two, one has been in the market for 25 years and another for the past four years. So we have been doing research in animal models and in healthy volunteers. Both of them standalone studies and combined studies. And when we did a combined study, that is when we found their balance. So when you as a normal person, you take them, they may not do anything. But when you are sick, it, they both act in a very, very correlative and as a teamwork. That is what we have published in uh, two papers after studies in COVID patients. So in COVID, what happens is the immune system has to 
protect you from infection invading pathogens when viral infection happens it is a virus that causes a havoc and super added bacterial infection may come and add to the os at the same time the immune system has to protect you while it should not overact producing a cytokine storm so when we gave the af4202 beta glucan and n163 beta glucan together in the first study that has been published in biomedicine and pharmacotherapy journal recently in the standalone a4202 immune enhancement was good but when you combine both of them the markers of cytokine storm and coagulopathy like interleukin 6 which is an acute inflammatory immune overreaction marker and d dimer and ferritin they are coagulopathy markers they were all under very much in control compared to the control group that is something which is very phenomenal for a food supplement but only concern is here this food supplement have to be orally consumed so people who cannot consume them orally you cannot take them into the study so we start we started the study but fortunately in the study that we published none of them gone into ventilator so it was very smooth and then between the day 15 and between the day 30 in two weeks time those who were in the control group had conventional treatment compared to them those who consumed both the beta glucans together their il6 and d dimer had a significant difference Okay, so it seems like it's an opportune moment as well. Like what you said, um, you know, while the company is doing research on this, and uh, COVID came, and that's how yeah. you all decided to test it on COVID patients, right? Yeah. Okay, and uh, you mentioned about IL six and the D dimer. Uh, these yeah. are uh, the parameters, the biomarkers that you all are uh, testing yeah. on. Uh, maybe yeah. can you also explain why these? Why have you all selected this? Interleukin six is one of the acute inflammatory markers. so when the cytokine storm happens interleukin 6 will increase in the similar way coagulopathy the d dimer when it is coagulopathy the abnormal clotting system related biomarker so if you see most of the patients who had uh, died due to covid-19 either cytokine storm or coagulopathy are both together led to a multi organ failure especially the respiratory failure So that is why we chose these two markers. I see. So in the latest news that we have covered on your company's beta glucan and COVID, right? Uh, it is. Uh, we 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 mentioned that you know those patients who received the beta glucans in addition to the standard treatment, they saw a greater reduction in their C-reactive protein and ferritin yeah. and yeah. IL six, uh, which are uh, very important biomarkers to predict the yeah. cause of COVID nineteen and yeah. the risk yeah. of developing severe disease and respiratory failure. So. following this uh, research right what is the next step well there are two important things i should tell you here in the first study we checked the difference between the day 15 and day 30 in the second study we checked between day 0 to day 15 and day 7 even within the short span in these patients these two orally consumable food supplements could do something good and they are already known for their um ability of not causing any adverse reaction because they have been a food supplement for the past 25 years having done this 
we don't climb anything therapeutically that this is not drug so it's only food supplement so it can go as an adjunct to any treatment as long as the physician thinks that this can be made available as long as the patient um, can consume it orally because as per the japanese standards there are 28 uh, notified allergens and none of the allergens are in this product so it is allergen free so that's not a problem however having said that having learned during this time especially in covid patients area 4202 has immune enhancement properties and m163 variant produced beta glucan has immunomodulatory properties we have now selected two different studies one of them just finished a4202 since it is immune enhancing it enhances the nk cells and also it has prebiotic properties so we did a study in children with autism spectrum disorder you may ask me why we did a study in autism spectrum disorder because children with autism spectrum disorder they don't sleep well and their gut dysbiosis is always there since a4202 beta glucan has a prebiotic property we tested their gut microbiome so in that study we found the enterobacter which causes curly protein amyloid alpha cyanocrine secretion and these are all the proteins that aggregate in the gut and then later they may propagate to the brain causing parkinson disease or alzheimers and this root cause enterobacteria which is causing all the problem in a420 consumed autism patients it was fully under control compared to the control group and also they slept well their behavior became calmer because they could sleep well this has been published in british medical journal and the second study is using n163 we did it in immuno because they are immunomodulatory potential is a part of their major activity we did a study in duchenne muscular dystrophy it's a genetic problem it's a rare disease there n163 is not going to cause any root cause related correction because it is a genetic problem however inflammation is one of the major problem there because the smooth interaction between the muscles is not there due to lack of dystrophin and in these patients this friction between the muscles during their movement will cause again il6 il13 increase and that will lead to the muscle fibrosis and slowly muscles will become dysfunctional lose their function and most of these patients will die between the age 20 to 30 in these patients we did a study n163 alone and that is in preprint and that has given an excellent outcome in terms of reduction in the inflammatory markers so what we have learned as a safety proven food supplement two variants working together in covid one is prebiotic and an immune enhancer another is an immunomodulator both have found a specific application in an unmet need separately one in autism spectrum disorder another in duchenne muscular dystrophy and still 
it, they are not drugs we don't say any therapeutic claims are there they can go as an adjunct to the existing regimen of treatment for their safety if the patient can orally consume them Okay, so so far the beta glucans that you have tested, right? Uh, like on autism children, it's uh, only one strain, and on the muscular dystrophy, it's also only one strain. It's only in COVID nineteen that uh, the both the strains, both strains. It's the first yeah. time, is it? Yeah, it's the first time because COVID is also for the first time we are experiencing. And before COVID study, we had done preclinical animal studies in which we some of them have been published in. Then we found when this N163 is given, it controls the fibrosis of the organs like liver. In adult male volunteers, markers like galactin, markers like D-dimer, when they are combined together, they are able to control. So this is something that you know made us consider they may be working well in COVID also. We didn't expect such a significant uh, outcome. Even we were surprised with such a significant outcome. We know that they are safe; they are not going to do any harm. But IL-6, D-dimer, ferritin, CRP, kind of inflammatory markers and coagulopathy markers, showing a significant difference between those who consumed and those who didn't consume. Within 15 to 30 days, is something phenomenal. I'll say. How about in terms of dosage difference? Because for COVID nineteen patients, does it mean that they are going to take in more, maybe more two o two and more one six three as compared to other we, Yeah, in COVID nineteen patients, in normal uh, people, in a we told we, we just tell them that you take just one gram of the A four two zero two sachet, and the N one six three comes as a, in a gel form, so one sachet a day, or you know. N163, you can take one sachet in once uh, two, you know, two days, uh, once in a, once in two days. But in COVID patients, we gave them three grams of this AF202 and one sachet of N163 every day, almost. So we asked them to take um, consume it a higher dose because, uh, as far as the safety is concerned, AF202, even if you consume 150 grams a day, it's going to be no toxic. So that data we have. So safety is not a problem. So we made them consume three grams of A for 202 and one sachet of 15 grams of this N163 a day in COVID patients. Okay. So it looks like this beta glucans they are very useful for different conditions that concerns uh, inflammatory uh, conditions, yeah. right? So yeah, I'm yeah. wondering, like, uh, following next, right? Um, what are the conditions that you all hope to research on, or even you know, like, uh, follow up research on COVID nineteen? See, uh, three things I would like to say when it comes to the follow up of the studies. The first thing that now we are uh, doing is we are trying to evaluate in much more specific animal models the gut microbiome and also the metabolome. So if we get the complete picture of a gut microbiome in specific disease animal models, because you know if you do in human beings, for example, the based on the uh, food habits of that uh, particular person, or the society in that where, for example, the food habits between Japan and India are different, Japan and Singapore are different, and Australia are different, Western diet is different. So unless you standardize 
exactly do it in an animal model you may not get the exact uh, mechanism of action so we are evaluating the gut microbiome along with that we are also checking the meta fecal metabolome if we are able to combine and correlate and see a4202 n163 together and also with a control and some drug a positive control and negative control we are studying so if we able to get a better picture on the exact mechanism of action then that may throw much more light into further specific uh, selection of future clinical trials this is one part the second part is in neurological condition as i said in autism children the behavior improve their enterobacter decrease and some good gut microbiome also increase in these patients alpha cyanoclin is a neurotransmitter this alpha cyanoclin producing cells we have started researching on whether in in vitro basic laboratory condition whether this beta glucans may have some effect or not if they don't have an effect then we will have to do an animal study retrospectively to see whether alpha cyanoclin whether it increases or decreases whether the good one increases or the bad one increases with and without at different dosages the third thing that we are trying to study is the anti inflammatory properties of the n163 we are looking into a certain autoimmune conditions like animal in animal model so if we do an autoimmune condition animal model if we check at what level what role the kind of antigens uh, the antibody action is against and if this is able to control that antibody reaction on a specific antigen then we may have more uh, focused selection of future clinical studies wherein this may go as an adjunct to existing treatment regimen or if there are diseases that there is no uh, you know anti inflammatory uh, protocol probably we can try this as especially in rare and often conditions mm. i'm wondering for the products um the n1 the 163 and 202 strains they are already commercialized right so yeah. uh, do they make any therapeutic claims as a supplement no. No, so no, at this moment, no. Mm, so they are like purely food, food yeah. supplement. Mm, yes. Okay. Okay. Any plans to you know uh maybe register them as food with function claims FFC, which is very popular in Japan. Yeah, we are uh, working on that. Uh, in there, you know, there are uh, two important things uh, I would like to share. As a physician, I would like to focus on unmet needs. cast for example if there is a general uh, um, let us say a, a lifestyle disease or a metabolic syndrome or there are drugs there are protocol there are preventive prophylactic methodologies available but in conditions like uh, neurological illnesses especially in case of children's disability there are not much uh, intervention which is definitely curable or treatable available so where there is a big vacuum so the safe food supplements if they can help those uh, children as an adjunct then we would like to focus there because it is an unmet need mm -hmm. so at this moment we are not uh, working on any therapeutic claim or any food for special medical purpose but if uh, we get more data on a larger number of such population then of course we will look into Okay, so looks like the focus will be on unmet needs, right? Yeah. To research yeah. how they can help 
these uh, needs. Okay. All right. So, yeah, you mentioned that uh, because you're a physician. And then I also read that, you know, you started off as a cardiac surgeon. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious as to, you know, how did your journey eventually diversify to include research in stem cells and regenerative medicine and now also on beta-glucan uh, food yeah. supplement? Oh, well, let's uh, see. Cardiothoracic surgery, uh, I know, is, is a very uh, dynamic field where unlike uh, other uh, specialties of uh, even surgery, you are doing a surgery where you are you to stop the heart of the patient, right? Something non-physiological you do, and then you bring it back. When we do the surgery, we cool the body to abnormally low temperatures. And these inputs tickle me to learn about non-physiological conditions, pulsatile flow, biomaterials, because when you stop the heart, the blood goes through plastic tubes, I'll say PVC tubes into a machine, and that machine does the function of the heart and the lungs. Gas exchange takes place in a chemically uh, constituted. I came across chemical engineers. I came across people who are working at the biology of different perspectives like zero gravity, what happens. And I came across people who are working on bio-inert uh, materials, which when the blood is circulated outside the body will not produce much of inflammation, different coatings. So that triggered me to look into the regenerative medicine because I get a good exposure to chemists because there are chemists who are doing something without knowing what it is used for. There were physicists, they were working on microgravity without knowing why it will help and what it will be a kind of an application. So that gave me a lead to work on microgravity, nitric oxide, and we have got a patent in Japan. So even I am writing a the uh, theoretical uh, possibility that in future we should be able to store the stem cells of a human being on space where you may not get uh, negative implications of gravity, cells may remain younger, bring them back for anti-aging, these are all the things that... So in cardiothoracic surgery, you see a wholesome perspective of non-physiological environment where your blood goes in, different biomaterials where you let it work with so that the surgery becomes a perfect thing. And that was a trigger that made me diversify into learn things which we usually don't learn much into the medical school. I see. Then are you still practicing like uh, cardiology? Uh, now I am not. Mm. I go to the hospital. I am involved more into the academic side. And uh, because my uh, multi-varied uh, research interest was taking much of my time. So I am not into the clinical practice anymore. Mm. And uh, But I have direct or indirect touch with clinicians in other specialties as well, like, for example, urology, orthopedics, where cell-based therapies will have an application. Mm, I see. Yeah. Okay. And another interesting uh, background is that because, um, yeah, you started, you because you are from India and you decided to uh, further your research in Japan. So I'm wondering, you know, how did this journey begin? Well, I, uh, in, when I was a medical student, I got an opportunity to visit uh, Japan as a Rotary Youth Exchange student. And that opened my eyes to uh, what is happening in Japan because 
in the 1990s and 91 when i was a student in the medical school when i visited japan not much was known about japan in india so everyone wanted to go to the english speaking countries for further training or postgraduate training or education or work so when i came to japan i, I landed up in several uh, literature here a specific surgical procedures named after japanese surgeons and then i got curious and why should i come here for learning those techniques for example suruga's procedure or like so i came here for my post graduation and then i found there have been several technological wealth in japan which have not been known in the to the rest of the world because several of the publications were in japanese and several of these biomaterials or the bionet implants or the tissue engineering methodologies at least now you have uh, you know ai based translation or interpretation platform you are able to know but those days they were not so my curiosity only increased to further explore the hidden treasures in japan besides cardiac surgery microgravity bionet materials and pulsatile flow and then i continue to stay in japan and the journey of learning still continues so that means you also need to learn japanese is that the case yeah initially i had a, an intensive japanese language program for 6 months to speak to communicate with my patients to get to understand and then convince them that i am able to understand what they speak to me and then slowly uh, i got into the clinical training and then uh, even now i am learning Yeah. So actually, when you first came to Japan, you are still practicing cardiology. Is it? Is that a case? I just completed my primary medication education in India, mm-hmm. and then I had undergone one year of training in pediatric surgery, general pediatric surgery, and I landed in Japan. I took a fellowship and then I postgraduate training in pediatric cardiac surgery. Mm, okay so from yeah. there then you came across the the wonders of this um other avers which is like what you have mentioned just now the biomaterials and all that that yeah. that's when you decided to diversify yeah right mm okay and also yeah i understand that you like uh, in the introduction i introduced that you are involved in nichi in center for regenerative medicine and this yeah. is a collaboration between japan and india on regenerative yeah. medicine so you know how did this uh, uh this partnership come about okay um in the year uh, to 1999 and 2000 i came across as i told you a team of chemical engineers who had produced a polymer scaffolds and they were sure that these polymer scaffolds can grow certain cells of the cornea the ophthalmology eye and they wanted to do some basic research and animal studies with experts in ophthalmology and since i am from india india has a large population of people who have corneal blindness so they approached me i didn't submit any business plan they gave me the research funds and then i connected them to a team of ophthalmologists our first research was started in india on corneal regeneration so we, our first patent was in corneal epithelial limbal tissue regeneration and the second one was in corneal endothelial regeneration that is when i got to know the biomaterial scientists who are working on inert implants 
So this journey started cardiothoracic surgery, corneal limbal stem cell research, bioinnet implants, which we found they can work well in other fields of medicine also. We developed a solution for urology, urethral stricture, now in orthopedics. So it's only keeping on, you know, increasing and also entering to other territories. I see. So what are some of the projects that you are working at the moment? Uh, well, in regenerative medicine, we are working on cell therapy for male urethral stricture and improvised tissue engineering methodologies for cartilage repair. These are all the two major areas we are working. And in immunology, as I just mentioned, we are working on neurological ailments through prebiotic gut microbiome approach, prophylaxis to neurodegenerative diseases, and also in inflammatory conditions we are working on. And as a futuristic uh, endeavor, uh, we are looking into studying the aging mechanisms of cells in gravity and in microgravity. We already got a patent in Japan for that. So if there could be an environment which can defy the negative implications of gravity, then that will be the right place for storing the cells. For example, now you are in your 20s. Your bone marrow stem cells will undergo age-related negative implications along with your aging process. So you take your cells at the age of 20, store them in a zero-gravity space station. If they can defy the age-related negative implications when stored, 30 years back down the line, if you bring them, you will be 50, and those cells will be in their age of 20. So if you infuse back into the, your body, then you are reinfusing your youth. So that is a concept, a futuristic concept we are working on. Yeah, this is indeed a very uh, forward-looking kind of um, yeah. method, kind of concept. I'm, I'm wondering, like, how does you know, gravity play a role in the process of aging? See, there are two kinds of uh, cells, you can say. Some of the cells, for example, the endocrine cells, the thyroid or the um, uh, suprarenal glands or the pancreas, they are suspended cells. You transplant them in any place, they can just keep producing something and they'll reach the body wherever they are. There are cells which have to work in tandem with the gravity. For example, the peristalsic movement of the gut. Or when you, there is a tear in your eyes, it has to drain down. Or the bile has to flow down. So there are two kinds of cells in general, functionally and anatomically. So first we are and bone marrow stem cells. They will be in a niche. They may not be much controlled by the gravity because it is your blood, your heart pumping that can pump them to any part of them. So these we have segregated in two different segments and we are working on that. So if these cells which can be suspended and can be placed in any area, if they can defy gravity, then they will be the first step to move forward. I see. And in the area of uh, dietary supplements and mm -hmm. nutrition, uh, what do you think are some of the possible opportunities for collaboration between Japan and India? Because I also know that India is really growing in terms of its nutraceutical sector. Yeah. Uh, see, India is a big market, but it is, it's, it's a multicultural society. Food habits, culture vary between people. So, first we need to understand 
the food culture of each society and then have a custom tailored partnership uh, there is some uh, uh, population that they're pure vegans or vegetarians some are vegetarians and some eat meat some eat uh, meat on very few days and so we need to custom tailor and another problem is the proportion of carbohydrate consumption versus protein versus fat consumption varies between cultures in india so this is something we need to be very careful because metabolic syndrome versus high fat diet there are two different uh, you know extremes so these are all something when we look into finding a partnership we need to look into which segment we are planning to address i see yes thank you very much for your time to tell me more about this research background behind the use of beta glucan and covid-19 and also some of the really very fascinating you know the uh, projects that you are working on on the futuristic um some futuristic research looking at the aging mechanisms i think they are really you know really open up my eyes to these new things thank you again for your time thank you if you like this podcast you can subscribe to nutra champion on spotify google podcast and apple podcast You can also head to nutriingredients-asia.com for more content and news on the nutrition industry.